Welcome to our Saturday simulcast, uh, joined by Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhardt after the Boilermakers gut-wrenching 35-31 loss to Penn State. I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel, the Boiler Up, Up Bar, 811 Bistro. Uh, they were gracious hosts to Tom and I on Wednesday night <laughs> at the Boiler Up Bar. We had a good time with that on Facebook Live we appreciate uh, Vicky Weeks. Got to meet, got to meet Bruce White also, which was a. I met, I talked to Bruce in the past, but uh, Bruce, obviously, the guy behind White Lodging, and uh, behind all the renovations at the Union Club Hotel. Uh, and Vicky Wicks and company did a great job of uh, making us feel comfortable. And despite the loss, they had a busy weekend, and uh, there'll be more of those uh, to come. All right, a lot to talk about, obviously, guys. A, a few hours removed, uh, maybe a little bit of time to let this sift or sink in, maybe is a better term. I'll start with you, Tom. Uh, you know, again, just a game of missed opportunities, uh, clearly. Uh, if Purdue could erase about two minutes of game tape, they might have won by two t- two touchdowns. It didn't happen that way. And now we have to look ahead to what, what this may mean for Purdue, uh, for the Boilermakers moving ahead. Yeah, again, um, a disappointing loss. I think most people would agree, guys, that this is a game Purdue was obviously positioned to win if you get some first downs, right? I mean, Jeff Brom said as much in the post game. We get one first down. Game over. If, the, if Payne Durham somehow makes that catch, game over, right? So it was right there for the taking. Uh, in some ways, guys, a familiar storyline for for Purdue. I mean, me and Brian were talking after the game, walking to the press conference. He brought up the Joe Tiller era and, and their struggles trying to milk the clock and, and protect oh, yeah. the leads late with their inability to really be effective running the football. And everybody knew you wanted to run it. And again, that's been a bugaboo. We all know of Jeff Brom for a while, guys. And um, I'll say this, you know, uh, yeah, the defense had its issues with some with some poor tackling. Yes, the defense committed five of the nine penalties. Here's my butt. Purdue obviously is winning this game 31 to 28 in the fourth quarter. Not once. So not that sounded twice, really funny. Yeah. You know, they uh they 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 get the ball back to the uh the Purdue offense with a chance to maybe ice the game. And twice the Purdue offense failed to do it. Finally, Penn State takes advantage on their last possession, goes 80 yards in eight plays essentially game over with 57 seconds left. So um, equal blame on both sides of the ball. But, again, you don't want to get too wrapped up or or jump off the roof over this loss. I remember Purdue was the underdog. Still a chance to win these next three, have a lot of mojo going into October. But, again, golly, um, you know that one was right there for the take, and Purdue wasn't able to seal the deal. In crunch time, guy, when you got to make plays in the fourth quarter, Purdue did not deliver. Yeah. Brian, I know you wrote about the, the the fact that, you know, no, the season's not over. This team will be fine. Uh, and I think I, I would agree with you. I do think it's uh, it is one of those fine line things. You lose a game like this might be a difference maker and what a bowl game that you get. Uh, obviously, losses affect that. But uh, your take having uh, having quasi slept on it. Uh, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, I'd imagine a lot of people watched the last four minutes of the first half or whatever time span that was and said, this game's over, you know, because that that thing went sideways on Purdue in a hurry. And that was one of those moments where not only can you lose that game, but you can get your doors, you know, blown your brakes blown off. And uh, to Purdue's credit, I think they showed a lot of a lot of intangible stuff, a lot of metal, you know, um, for whatever word you want to use. Uh, coming back and being in a position to win this game, and then, but then that just makes it even more, you know, 
gutting that um, you had the game won a couple times and then you couldn't make just one more play offensively. You couldn't make one more play defensively and it just slipped away on you. But, uh, you know, part of the issue here is Purdue. (laughs) And there's a lot of season left for this to kind of remedy itself. But I think Purdue's issue here in the fourth quarter was largely systemic because you look to me like a very one-dimensional offense. And you mentioned the Joe Tiller days before. And it's when you're built a certain way to do a certain thing and the context of the game changes and mandates you to play more situational football, it can be really difficult because Jeff Brom told you everything you needed to know about his feelings toward his running game with his actions. He didn't have to say it after the game, but everybody who's ever watched a football game knows in situations like that, you need to move the sticks. You need to keep the clock moving, if nothing else. And the fact, I'm not sure he handed the ball off once, tells you he didn't think his running game had any chance. Now, I thought maybe, you know, some screens, some swing passes, some really easy completions, you know, might not have necessarily marched down the field, but you might have been able to get that one first down out of it. You might have at least been able to bleed a little more time off the clock, things like that, maybe a little more misdirection, maybe one real kind of, you know, I want to use the word deceptive necessarily, um, but something like that. It, It just... It seemed like they were just content to throw the ball up the field against good defensive backs. You know, mm-hmm. they did have their opportunities. It's not like, you know, there weren't some opportunities there to be had. Um, that one pass that was a little bit underthrown, you know, was the game. Uh, the game's over if you hit that. Um, obviously, the Payne Durham thing was a bang bang play. Uh, Would have been a really difficult catch to make, but if that if that gets hauled in, that's the game. They had their chances, but. In that situation, what you don't want to be doing when Penn State's bringing pressure and their cornerbacks are are trying to eat your receivers alive off the line, the last thing you want to do is is be one dimensional, and that's what Purdue was. But that tells you that this is an offense that's built to throw the ball up the field, and can they do other things when they need to do those other things? You know that you could have used your two tight end sets there. You don't have Garrett Miller. That that's not an excuse, but that is a big deal. Um, I think your running game is going to be very limited uh, all year long, even when you have a good offensive line by Purdue standards. Uh, I don't think you're going to win with offensive line play necessarily. And that's just kind of where Purdue is. But, you know, Jeff Brown was asked after the game, you know, why didn't you run the ball or whatever? And he can't come out and say because we can't. But that's exactly what he said in that fourth quarter when he didn't even try. Well, they did it down in fairness. Now they did have the one play where they, what they, as they said, the old, old, where they got stuffed and then they went away with, it. but you're right. I think they only had two rushing attempts in the final quarter. And, um, you know, though I thought King DeRue looked better. It looked better. They, 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 you know, he averaged almost four yards a carry, which is a, which is like averaging eight yards a carry in the Purdue run offense over the years. It, uh, it was interesting. I thought also Brom and again, I wasn't sitting there. I was listening to what Brom said. So I, or I watched it. I guess, I guess I did watch the video that, um, you know, he did kind of said, Hey, we got to look at that, but it does get back down to, you know, and it's true. Montreal low against Indiana in 2001, when Joe Tiller said, we can't make a damn yard, you know, and you can't make, you can't make the yards, make the plays that you need in the run game. It, it makes it tough also, but well, yeah, but go ahead. I think there's a difference between averaging four yards a carry in quarters one through three 
and then doing it in the fourth quarter when Penn State knows that's what you're supposed to be doing. Right, and, and Penn State really was stacking the box of, too. Yeah, I mean they were absolutely daring Purdue, making it, making right, right, and you know Purdue was kind of you know stuck. They had to try to take what Penn State was giving them, and Penn State was making it really hard on them because because yeah. their cornerbacks are good. Yeah. And again, you're able to get open and make those completions quarters one through three. But when a, a decent defense is really turning the screws on you, and right. execution and details really come down to you know really come to the forefront it's hard and it was hard on Purdue and as I said if uh you know Purdue just makes one more play the game is over but Penn State to to their credit didn't allow Purdue to make those plays yeah Tom you had some pretty astounding numbers in the fourth quarter in terms of what uh uh seven for 20 I think uh Aiden O'Connell was uh, total offense Uh, those numbers were not good and I want you to talk about that but Purdue did get the lightning bolt it needed I mean the amazing 72 yard uh return and uh and stomach issues for 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 Chris Jefferson on that uh play you know you got the play that really you thought was gonna gonna deliver deliver the Boilermakers you have to go back and watch the watch Fox uh if you if to, to know what I'm talking kind of gives a new meaning to the term yak, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But anyway, give, give me that those if you have those numbers at your disposal, Tom. What were the numbers in the fourth quarter, and, and maybe your view on on just having Purdue did get the play defensively it needed. Uh, you thought, boy, you didn't think you were 100 percent home free, but boy, you thought you you thought uh, if you're a Purdue fan that things were going to end in the right way. Yeah, again, you know. They had the five rushing attempts in the fourth quarter, went for minus nine yards, guys, but there were two sacks that brought that total back. They had three legit rushing attempts in the fourth quarter, one for eight yards, one for minus four, one for four yards. So basically, um, you know, a a team that had less than 10 yards rushing in the fourth quarter. Aiden O'Connell, guys, 7 to 20 passing that quarter as well. Uh, Just 65 yards of total offense for Purdue in the fourth quarter. 2.6 2.6 yards per carry. So, yeah, crunch time. You know, conversely, guys, go go look at what Penn State did in the fourth quarter. Uh, back to Purdue real quick. The offense scored no points that quarter. The defense provided the seven points for the Boilermakers on that pick six you guys were talking about. Again, Sean Clifford, yes, he had his hiccups. But, again, that, that's what their last drive of the game. You know, he delivered. He, he marched his team down the field and, and delivered the game-winning touchdown with, with 57 seconds to go. So, we all know the importance of the fourth quarter, uh, how you need to step up and make plays. And, again, the offense had its issues. We, we, we've talked about that quite a bit. And I mentioned penalties earlier, too, guys. You know, nine overall for this team. Went back and looked last year. Purdue was the second least penalized team in the Big Ten, averaging about four and a half per game. Five of those penalties came on defense. Guys, there was one play in particular in this game, the Purdue defense, had three. And yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that before. <laughs> I don't think I've ever in seen one that play. So they're in, they're in a nutshell, sort of encapsulates the issues there. 14 missed tackles. And uh, we all recall the, the, the spirit crushing 67 yard touchdown catch with two mm. seconds on the first half, where, you know, two defensive backs whiffed on tackles. They didn't wrap up and bring the, the, the big tight end to the ground. And, and again, uh, uh, I think it was the late third quarter touchdown. There were some missed tackles too. So 14 overall for the Boilermakers. Um, again, uh, just to, you know, I guess that's not a shock, guys. Right? We all know teams don't always practice tackling with gusto in training camp. They want to try to avoid injuries, so you can expect some tackling foibles early. But they sure were detrimental to Purdue guys. And 
You know, if, if we want to talk about something more positive, I'd love to get your guys' feedback on what you thought of number 15. Well, you mean Drew Brees being in the house? I like yeah, it. No, right? <laughs> Charlie Jones. Uh, Brian, I'll let you start with that, but uh, I thought he was un, un, uh, just fantastic in, in so many ways, catching the football a little bit under under uh, whelming within the punt return game, but I think some most of that was situational in my view. But, uh, Brian, your take. Yeah, from the, uh, a punt return perspective, Penn State's punter did an unbelievable job. Their coverage yeah, did. team did an unbelievable job. I don't know where he would have gone. Um you know, hey, just just real quick back to Tom's point. I just thought Purdue just l- had too many week one, really week one uh, failings, and I think that they were pretty bad failings too. When you look at just the fundamentals of the penalties, of the you know not uh, not wrapping up, tackling, and just trying to throw shoulders into people in the open field, and then you know kind of getting pinballed around, and you know TJ Sheffield not protecting the ball when. Um, he's got to move that ball to his other hand as he gets into traffic. Uh, that stuff can get cleaned up, but that stuff, you know, shouldn't require a loss either to clean up, uh, you know, to reveal itself as something that needs to be cleaned up to your point about Charlie Jones. He was exceptional. I mean, he was, I mean, he, he, that was a whole season of productivity at Iowa in one game basically. And, Mm uh, the Iowa end of this has been, very, very fixated, I think, on the reasons for him transferring, which is – it seemed pretty obvious before, especially when you look at the way Purdue's played against Iowa. Well, go watch that game last night. That's why he transferred to Purdue um, because he's he knows Aiden O'Connell's going to get him the ball. He has a pre-existing relationship with Aiden O'Connell. Um, that guy looked like an NFL player yesterday. That guy, I think it was Dan Wetzel tweeted a, a, a gif of Bill Belichick looking through binoculars. And yeah, I mean, that's, he looked like that prototypical, you know, deceptively quick gym rat of a slot receiver. <laughs> if uh, you know what I mean, um, that ends up on the Patriots and uh, you know, Danny Amendola, Wes, Wes Welker, uh, Julian Edelman, yeah. you name it. You know where I'm going with this. Um, he looks like a hell of a player, and he looks like the guy that you know Purdue needed to emerge in his receiver core, kind of that that go-to guy. It's just a shame that that breakout performance came in a loss because if Purdue won that game last night, a lot of people would talk about Charlie Jones all of a sudden. Yeah, no doubt. And you have to go back and look at the annals. That's think a, about, the thing about this, game he, his previous single game career high for catches was three in a game, right? He had 12 last night. Uh, targeted 19 time guys last year at Iowa. He had 21 catches for the season. Again, he had 12 last night. If you want to have fun guys and extrapolate 12 catches over 12 games, that comes out to 144 catches. So let's go in and have some fun and say, Charlie Jones is going to catch 150 passes this year. How's that sound? Iowa might not complete 150 passes. this year. (laughs) uh, One more thing I want to add to that. How about Mershon Rice? Yeah, yeah. I was going to talk. I don't about want to glance yeah. over that. That was a big deal. Um, yeah, because I think that's a really talented kid who just has not been able to be on the field. Mm-hmm. He's had some of the worst luck I think I've seen in a player uh, over the years. But he looked good, and it was my understanding. Yeah. I I was of the understanding. I didn't think he was going to play because I, I thought he had a hamstring issue. Um, he looked good, and you know, this being week one, and this being an opponent like Penn State right out of the gate. 
you know, Purdue, it's no consolation to people who really wanted to win this game, as Purdue did, as everyone associated with Purdue did. But this is going to be beneficial from here on out because um, I think everything you have to get better at was really laid bare. And mm-hmm. I don't think that would have happened if you opened up with FAU. I don't think that would have happened if you opened up with Indiana State. I'm not even sure that would have happened if you opened up at Syracuse, things like that. I think, you know, being Purdue being forced to improve right out of the gate here, I, yeah. I think is going to turn out to be a beneficial thing for Purdue. Yeah, Good interesting point. point. And yeah. uh, I think that uh, you, you look at that and you say that, uh, uh, again, it's a long season. There's 11 games left, and th- this team has some ability to – to figure out uh, if they can figure out and, and make that improve. One interesting note, though, it is funny. You're right about the penalties from last year, but it, a coincidence that we noticed, because I remember last year, same group of guys at the uh, – not totally, obviously, but a lot of the same group of guys at the Music City Bowl had 128 yards in penalties last year. It was a season high by a long shot, uh, if you remember. So two consecutive games that produced really been penalized in a big way. Um, of course, it, I think the Music City Bowl is still going on because uh, the, of those penalties and the way that was long. Of course, last night's game was damn near four hours. So uh, uh, amazing from that standpoint. All right, Tom, you go look look going ahead. Now, Indiana State, what um, – I mean, is there anything else we want to dissect, I guess I should say, in this game? I mean, uh, uh, but but looking ahead, you know, you, you've got a game next week that you would think you can get well. Uh, Indiana State had an overtime win over North Alabama, or is it Northern Alabama? North Alabama. And uh, – and uh, of course, they had the tragedy down there in their own football program, which is uh, mm-hmm. uh, they were all white last night, and and is part of that. Uh, but this is a team that uh, Purdue should handle easily, get some guys in the game uh, as well. Uh, but uh, the Purdue's got to turn the page. It's the only it's the only option, right? Yeah. Real quick before I go, I go forward, just two other points. Um, yeah. A lot of the focus too on the off season was the pass rush. You know, how are they going to replace George Karloftis and Purdue had just the one sack by Scotty Humpage, but according to Pro Football Focus, there were 19 pressures and then 17 hurries. So, so Branson, Dean, and Kydron Jenkins get some heat too. That's that's something to continue to monitor. And guys, Tyrone Tracy, yeah, good Tyrone point. Tracy has had two touches. Both were in the first half. He caught one pass. He made one run. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure what was up there. Um, but uh, I found that curious, a guy who I thought, maybe I thought too much, but I thought Tyrone Tracy was going to be a, a featured part of this offense for him to be that limited, guys. Uh, so, again, that, that was something that caught my eye, I guess. Going back over things, I didn't even realize at lifetime, I should say. Um, so, yeah, going ahead, Alan, you're right. FCS Indiana State, you know, you obviously you got to take care of business there. Kurt Mallory is going to bring his team up from Terre Haute. Um, Cruz never lost to one of these FCS schools. And then, of course, you know, you go to Syracuse. I think you could probably win that. Then you have your homecoming game against FAU. So, I think I said off the top, there's still a good chance here to, to string together some wins, to, to gain some confidence, to be 3-1, and one, which is I thought a lot of people thought Purdue would be as the calendar turns into October. And then that's where we're really going to find out if you've made those strides and, and correcting some mistakes. you got to go to Minnesota, Maryland. Of course, you got Nebraska at home, then you go to Wisconsin. So that ought to be the month, I think, that'll define how good this season will be for Purdue. And again, if you're the Boilermakers, you sure as heck would like to be three and one when October gets here. And I think there's a good chance for that to happen. 
Brian, we'll give you the last word or uh, comments about uh, what else, and then uh, uh, we'll wrap up this uh, bit of brilliance here, this, this uh, Saturday simulcast. You know, kind of back to Charlie Jones and kind of in the context of what Tom just said about Tyrone Tracy. You know, Charlie Jones came in in July, and Charlie Jones has known Aiden O'Connell since they were just wee boys. You wee. know, and you kind of wonder if maybe he didn't sort of jump to the front of the line for that role that Tyrone That's Tracy true. was being worked out for in the spring. Um, you know, just to 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 use a parallel here, um, you know, last year with the Rams, everybody thought Robert Woods was going to come in and really benefit from Matt Stafford coming in at quarterback. And then apparently uh, we found out later that Cooper Cup was coming in every morning and having breakfast with Matthew Stafford. And that, <laughs> that became public uh, kind of halfway through the season as Cooper Cup was in the middle of one of the greatest seasons in the history of wide receivers. Um, that relationship seemed to matter. And you sort of wonder if the O'Connell-Charlie Jones connection doesn't come with a certain comfort level where, sure. you know, uh, Aiden O'Connell's looking for 15 a lot. And he's he's he was rewarded for it yesterday. But also, Charlie Jones is really good, too. I mean, we saw... <laughs> A player, yes, hell, I, I damn near put him in the NFL before um, <laughs> based off of one game. Um, so I sort of wonder if maybe uh, that explained a little bit of the Tyrone Tracy thing. Um, Good point. To a certain extent. But, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, Purdue's just got to be able to have – be less one-dimensional offensively. They've got to be able to – now – when you kind of look back at sort of the, the Jeff Brom era, and again, this parallels a lot of the Joe Tiller era too, is you're at your best when you can blow people out, when you can run up and down the field, when you can make big plays, even if it's a close game, if it's a close game like the Music City Bowl where you, you know both teams are just trading 50-yard touchdowns left and right, that's where you're playing to your strength. Yeah. When you get into these fourth quarter Big Ten games where you got to win Wisconsin or Iowa style, that's not your thing. And that I think that really came to bear uh, last night. Just the ability to control the ball and to be able to to manufacture some running success, whether that's handing the ball off mm-hmm. uh, or using the short passing game as an extension of the running game, swing passes, the screen game, things like that. That's where Purdue's got to get better here. Um, and again, that's the good part of playing Penn State right away is that you have you have no choice but to confront these things right right away instead of. Having f- the fool's gold of you know being able to run for 150 yards against Indiana State, and then thinking you can run the ball when you have to go to uh, Wisconsin, you know. Um, so I think this offense has some, some work to do. But you clean up the penalties, yeah. you take care of the football when you need to take care of the football uh, in terms of the fumble that obviously changed this game, um, and so on and so forth. A lot of that stuff seems fixable. Um, now that being said, it could it could turn out to be just a fundamental failing of this team. Uh, we don't know, but all that stuff seems like you can clean it up. So you know, Purdue's got to get to work here and clean it up to make sure that this first loss doesn't become you know a two and two start to this season when you should be three and one. Yeah, no doubt. All right, yeah, I think you you, you correct those things. You could build a case that Purdue could have won by double digits last night if they just did, well, I mean, a couple things. Because look at the end of look at the end of the second. second As is the case with every, and it's not like Penn State didn't you know screw up a bunch too. I mean they yeah. 
they dropped an interception there in the first quarter. That would have been a game changer. They threw an interception yeah. on a t-shirt gun throw by Sean Clifford right to right to Chris Jefferson. You can say this about any close football game. But when you look at Purdue, I mean, Brock Thompson catches that ball deep in his own territory. Purdue probably wins this game. I mean, any of those, you know, first downs Purdue couldn't get in the fourth quarter, you get one of them, you you probably win that game. I can't remember who the receiver was, but that downfield throw from O'Connell that was a little bit underthrown. Sheffield, too, I think it was Sheffield. If you complete that ball, the game's the game's over. Yeah. Um, because not only are you running the clock out, but you're probably scoring again. Um, so. You were close, but close is what makes this probably even more frustrating. Yeah. All righty, guys. Thanks so much for your, uh, your expertise and all the buildup this week. Uh, there was a ton of it. Uh, didn't come to the fruition or didn't the ending didn't come to, to, to a happiness level for Purdue fans, but uh, uh, you live to fight another day, so to speak. I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel, uh, the 811 Bistro, and, of course, Boiler Up Bar. Uh, we appreciate that. We're going to be back, I think, in November 3rd uh, for our second uh, Facebook Live uh, right prior to the Iowa game. We'll look forward to doing that. The rest of you have a great late and safe Labor Day weekend, and we'll be back at this uh, Saturday simulcast. Uh, we'll start doing them primarily based on schedule, but usually after games. So that'll be the that'll be the plan uh, moving forward during football season. And obviously, Purdue gets a lot more night games that may change, like Florida Atlantic and, and others. But uh, uh, check local listings, so to speak. All right, guys, thanks again. Have a great weekend. Thanks to the Union Club Hotel, and uh, we'll look forward to next week and our next Saturday simulcast.